Good evening, Rugby League fans. Welcome to Across the Line with Spence T. Obviously, that's me. Uh, welcome back to episode two of the podcast or Across the Line. Um, we are now officially live on Overcast, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Breakers, and Pocket Casts. Um, we're also live back on, obviously, Anchor. So, anchor.fm forward slash ATL Spence T. Um, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter as well and Instagram, twitter.com forward slash ATL Spence T and obviously at ATL Spence T, um, for Instagram. But, um, yeah, the podcast is taking off so far, so good. We're up to, what's that now? One, two, three, four, five, six places that the podcast is now up and available. Uh, that's obviously not including Anchor. So seven places where the podcast is available to listen to now. So if you've got Spotify or you've got uh, Google Podcasts, I'd definitely obviously recommend checking us out on that and giving us a bit of a like and a thumbs up so that way we can kind of see how we're doing. Don't forget to obviously um, comment on all of those uh, videos, also the podcast as well, so we can kind of um, see what your head's at and where you think we should work on more with the podcast, uh, obviously, or email us at um, atlspencet at gmail. Um, now, let's get stuck into it. Obviously, I've had a bit of a minute and a half plug there of everything that I've talked about, but... Um, Let's get stuck into the week that was. Round 7 for Anzac Round. What a weekend. Um, started off with the Dragons and the Roosters on Thursday night. Um, and then obviously went into the Storm and Warriors. But let's get into the Dragons and Roosters game first. Uh, 20 points to 10 to the Roosters. Um, obviously two tries to... Uh, sorry, not two tries. Uh, three tries to the Roosters, two tries to the Dragons. Um... One tried to Latrell Mitchell, Angus Crichton, and uh, Takiaho. Uh, and then to the Dragons was Zach Lomax and Matt Dufty. Um, one from two conversions from Lomax, three out of three conversions from Latrell Mitchell, and one penalty goal for Latrell Mitchell. Um, now, we normally we'd be talking calls and controversies. Um, I kind of want to shake up the segment a little bit and talk other things with this calls and controversies segment. So... We're going to call it the calls, controversies, and play-by-play segment, um, just so we can kind of talk uh, a little things here and there and um, everywhere inside the game, so um, we can talk the the facts and stuff that have been going on inside the game. Without rambling on incoherently, let's get stuck into it. So um, I think that the biggest one we'll probably talk off the bat is um, the high penalty count that was inside that game. So that was an insane penalty count uh, in the game. I can't remember off the top of my head how many it was, but it just knew the whistle was blowing every now and then. Um, I, a fun fact that I found out that uh, Sutton, both the Sutton brothers have had a high penalty count against St. George um, since becoming referees in the game. They've actually got the highest penalty count um, as a referee towards a team. So I'm obviously thinking the Sutton boys don't really like the uh, Dragons too much. Um, and... Because of that, there was obviously a couple of controversial calls. Uh, forward pass that was not really a forward pass. It disallowed a try that probably could have put the Dragons in the game. Um, and then there was obviously a couple of other things there as well that they need to talk about. Um, these flat passes that they're calling them. So they're calling the wrong forward passes. Some of these passes that they're saying are flat are actually like forward. And they're not even marginally forward. They're definitely forward. But... Unfortunately, the referees are letting them go, but the marginal ones, they seem to be pulling up, so I don't see what's going on with that. Um, let's see. So, um, starting off on the, um, on the good side of things, I guess, um, 
Jake Friend had a 40-20, decent 40-20 um, that kind of really set the, the Roosters up for a play in that, that first half. But unfortunately, due to uh, an injury, pulled him off. So it looks like he won't be back until around 20. Um, that was just an insane run from Jake Friend to kick the ball out, but then do his shoulder. I think it was his shoulder that he's out with, so he's now going to have to be on the men for that one. So all the best to Jake Friend. Um, now, the, the biggest fear I have for the Roosters this week, um, apart from obviously Jake Friend being injured, uh, obviously they're going to have Vic Radley push back to the hooker, which is fine. Um, they'll push some people across and bring them all in um, to make everything kind of comfortable again. They'll probably get back to the way they were last week, which was... Still on a winning circle, but um, very questionable circle, which we'll get to in a second. But pushing Victor Radley to hooker will obviously benefit the Roosters a lot because Victor can, he seems to know what he's doing around the ruck as well. Um, but my biggest fear for the Roosters this week is they're repeating what they did the week before, um, which was obviously uh, starting off the game fast, but then not scoring the second half. Now, obviously keep in mind that they scored in the second half towards the very end of the game, but there was... A substantial amount of time between the two uh, scores, between the, the try that was made in the first half and that second half last minute try. Uh, there was a, a bit of a glimpse of last week's repeat where the Roosters were obviously scoreless and they weren't actually keeping up to their code of obviously decimating uh, the players on the field and decimating the opposition team. Um, they just, yeah, they were just leaving us all speechless as to say, what's going on? Why are you guys not scoring in the second half? Obviously, a bit same goes for the, the Storm as well, the Storm. Um, but we'll get to that game in a second. But the Storm were kind of like the same thing. They they were holding off themselves in the first half, scores in the second half. And then, obviously, it was a fight for the end. Um, so, yeah, so there was obviously the Roosters um, starting to repeat last week. Uh, they stopped scoring until the end of the second half. Um, what else is there to talk about from the Roosters? Oh, uh, the other thing probably that I would mention is that um, the referees aren't pulling up this not square rule. I uh, noticed in the second marker on the dummy half, um, he's just, he's not marking back square. So they're obviously allowing the players to jump out of the, the um, markers and uh, get to the players quicker, which is kind of implementing their idea that being square is being slowly allowed. They're really easing up on the penalties. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I like the fact that the referees are easing up on the whistle, uh, but it would be nice if they actually had a bit of consistency where it was, uh, if you're going to do something wrong, actually blow the whistle for it and not let the uh, let it go. Uh, and then obviously call the whistle later on when something doesn't go their way. Uh, example will be later on when we talk about one of the games where uh, the Eels were denied a try um, off a forward pass, but uh, they called an offside anyway where the Eels probably could have scored. Kind of relates back to the Melbourne Storm game, but if we keep rolling back, we'll be here forever. Um, to the Dragons, I guess, um, they looked, look, they honestly looked like they, they were in it for a bit. Um, the Dragons, the poor guys, they, they knew what they were, they were kind of walking into the big battle there, really was a war, uh, going on within the Anzac Memorial. Um, there was, how do I put it, the Dragons came out hard, fast, and they knew what they had to do, and they really did put a stop to the Roosters at one stage where they were keeping them within a certain point. And it honestly looked like at one stage the Dragons were, were probably going to get away with it and end up winning. Um, but something just flipped. I don't know whether it was the stadium obviously being different levels of turf and stuff like that. Uh, the ball handling. Um, ben Hunt obviously had a bit of a, a flop of a game because he just his ball handling errors were completely there. Um, 
uh, good on Zach Lomax for finally getting a start for the NRL. Um, we talked about that last week. We said that probably be better if we put Zach Lomax on the start and then have uh, Michaeli Ravalawa on the bench. Uh, they've done that. I think it's a slow way to fizzle Michaeli Ravalawa out, but unfortunately uh, this week, not unfortunately, but through my eyes, it is unfortunate uh, that uh, Zach Lomax has taken the center spot this week while uh, you and Aiken pushes to the bench. Uh, Michaeli Ravalawa is pushed out to the five and keeps his spot. Um, Michaeli Ravalawa obviously had two errors in 10 minutes when he came on for that final 10 minutes of the game. Uh, I think that guy really honestly needs to go back to Intra Super Cup. And he just needs to, I think he needs to honestly think about the, the game a bit more through the concept of probably watching it from the sidelines. Now, obviously, he is a convert from Rugby Union. And he's, don't get me wrong, he's had a great start to the season for himself. He's obviously improved every week. Uh, but it's not up to the rugby league expectations that I would expect. Uh, you look at other players like Josh Adekar and, and James Tedesco and players like that. People who work in the backs, you now obviously they've been there for ages and they know what they're doing. But then you've got players in the Dragons like Zach Lomax and Matt Dufty and all those guys like Jai Field as well who are in the interest, ready to come up into the big ranks. They've shown their worth. They've proved that they're there. And then Ravalawa comes in without a single cent of uh, gameplay of uh, NRL. And he comes in and gets a starting spot and just absolute errors. And that was the problem this week for the Dragons was that Cooper Cronk saw that that was a weakness on that side of the, the field. Uh, and he knew that that was where he was going to have to target for the game. So obviously he was putting the high ball up towards Zach Lomax. Obviously being Lomax was uh, replacing Ravalawa. So obviously Cronk was still going to test the waters with Lomax there to see how Lomax could react to the, uh, the high balls. Unfortunately, Lomax couldn't cooperate with the ball as much as he'd wanted it to. And then they Roosters capitalized off that and scored their first try through uh, Latrell Mitchell. So it's, yeah, it's, it's one thing to say that the Dragons are, they're there and they know what they need to do, but it's another thing to say that they just, they still haven't quite got it yet, but they'll get there if they start to look at the, where the errors are coming from and then work out where they can, what they can do with those errors. So for me personally, I think, Ravalawa probably shouldn't be playing this week. I think he should probably be on the bench. Uh, put Lomax back onto the wing, Aiken into the centers. But I do like that combination of um, Lomax on the center as well, uh, backing up uh, for the wing uh, with Pereira. So that's going to obviously be a great combination. Then you've got Lafai and Ravalawa on that outside. My only concern for that is uh, Lafai is known for offloads. And I just don't know if Ravalawa is going to be ready for those offloads every now and then or if he's just going to be uh, not paying attention. Because as you saw last week, he wasn't paying attention when he was running towards the sideline, um, was grabbing the ball, running backwards, and then the Roosters just showed him the sideline. And it was all an absolute farce from there. Uh, Ravalawa erred from there and then erred again on the side. Probably shouldn't have passed back in from Aiken. He probably shouldn't have passed it through Ravalawa. But in saying that, Ravalawa should have addressed the fact that he was on the sideline and probably should have stepped in a little bit sooner than that. Um, now, I think that's pretty much all that I can talk about for the Roosters-Dragons game. Um, obviously, I'm going to pull the player of the game down to Matt Dufty. Um, I will say that that beautiful try that he pulled out from 60 metres, he made something from nothing. He just absolutely turned it around for the Dragons at that point. Uh, it was back. It was at that point that the Dragons thought they were back in the game. Um, to, to get around that, to put Tedesco on the flat foot and make Tedesco feel like he wasn't even supposed to be there, uh, really shows leaps and bounds for Matt Duffy in the way he's come and, and really cemented his spot in that fullback position. 
Uh, yeah, okay, he's had some errors, and yeah, he did slide under a high ball and knock it on. Uh, but uh, I challenge anybody who would try to get out of that high ball and try and catch it the way he did and, and actually collect it. So good on Matt Dufty. He takes my player of the match for the Dragons and the Roosters game. Um, and then we are moving on to Melbourne Storm versus the Warriors game. Um, Melbourne Storm 13, Warriors 12. Uh, one try to Cameron Munster and then Jerome Hughes, and one to Blair and Mamalo for the Warriors. Uh, one from two from Munster for conversions, and one from two from Harris to Vida for the Warriors. Uh, one field goal from Brody Croft, uh, and one penalty goal apiece, one to Munster, one to Harris to Vida. Um, this game kind of confused me. Now, when I say confused me, I'm talking about the referees. I just don't know what's going on at the moment with the referees, because... There's a, a latency of inconsistency is probably the way I should put it because the referees are either calling the right decision or they're calling the wrong decision, but they think it's the right decision and then someone has to account for it later on and say, well, the rest are actually wrong in the end. So what's going on there? Um, Matt Checkin, I just he, he makes my head itch, that guy. Um, I just don't know whether... Coming back to the NRL was a good idea for him. Obviously, yes, he had the death threats and things like that, but I think he pissed a lot more people off that week than he should have, um, especially being that the call that he made in the last 10 minutes of the game that kind of squared the, the storm back up to get them back into the game. Uh, he called a penalty for crowding. Um, that wasn't even crowding because the referee hadn't even called get off the marker. Um, so it was a rush play to ball. Uh, it was well within right to be an error. Uh, and then Cameron Smith obviously knocked the ball on into the, the player as well. So it, it it would have screamed for a penalty. Warriors should have won that game. Unfortunately, they didn't. And that was because Matt Checkin's call. Checkin was then told later on that the call was wrong. And then the uh, officials uh, later announced it on NRL.com that the call was wrong and it shouldn't have gone that way. It's calls like that that make me wonder, it's like the real controversy down to the nitty-gritty of it can make or break a game. Now, obviously calls are turning away fans because fans are getting kind of distraught and upset at the fact that there's just so many calls that are going the wrong way and then we're finding out later on that it was the wrong call, but nothing's being done about it. There shouldn't be this ambiguity over what's got to happen. It's It should be ref made the call, ref got the wrong call, ref should be accountable. And this is the part where I start to talk about why isn't the bunker stepping in? Because in the beginning, the bunker was supposed to wipe out all these errors. Why isn't the bunker, if he's in the referee's ear, why isn't the bunker coming into him and saying, no, mate, uh, don't blow the whistle, or you've blown the whistle, but you've blown the whistle with the wrong thing. Let's just stop the play, check that, uh, find out what's going on, and then get back to play. Or um, the bunker actually stepping in and going, hang on, I need you to blow the whistle for such and such because this has happened. But unfortunately, they're not going to do that because it'll probably stop play too many times. But if they want consistency, they need to start looking at other alternatives via the bunker, contacting the referees on field, saying, I need you to blow the whistle or I need you to do this and that or take away from your previous call because it was incorrect. Um, they... Yeah, it was just it was that it was that frustrating that I actually had to get up and walk away from watching the game because it was just one of those games where it's like the referees were actually ruining the fun. Uh, checking again, um, let us know uh, twitter.com forward slash atlspence t or even on um, the 
the Gmail account as well. So uh, ATL dot, uh, ATLSpenceT at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Is it good or bad if the check-ins come back? Um, I, I think, honestly, it's bad because he's ignoring everybody around him and he's gone back to his old ways where he's he's in charge and what he says goes. And sometimes that's great, but if the touchies have said to him, it could be a double movement for the try, I need you to check it, um, then he just ignores it and says, no, I'm awarding it, then what's the point in having touches if you're not even going to listen to them for forward passes and you're not going to listen to them for the double movement calls? I think, honestly, Chekin needs to um, open his ears up a little bit instead of pinning them back and going um, because the Jerome Hughes try, yes, it was a try. It legitimately looked like a double movement from three angles, uh, but obviously you need to check that. Um, would have been nicer that they obviously check everything else, even a submissive try that was probably like the cleanest try in the world, they'll still find a way to check it. But something like that where there was a little bit of cause for concern whether or not it was a double movement or not, they didn't even check it, even though the touchy said, hey, it could be double movement, or the second the pocket referee might say, hey, it might be double movement, check-ins just blatantly ignored it, and he's gone straight for the try. So for me, I think it's probably bad that he came back. I think he probably should have left and not come back. Good on him for having another crack, though. Uh, despite all the people that have really given him stick and, and hate. Um, I think good on him for, for doing that. But in all honesty, I think he probably should have stuck to maybe refereeing a reserve grade or something like that because uh, these referees and their inconsistencies are just getting beyond a joke. Um, so the Warriors would have won if that, that call hadn't have gone the way of the storm the way it did. But I guess when you've got three referees on the team, um, it doesn't really matter. Um Moving on, anyway, so the Warriors actually came off to an amazing start. They were on an absolute blinder of a game. Um, Blair just took, Adam Blair took off, uh, just show the Warriors that he's there to stay um, because people were starting to get worried that he was the million-dollar man that wasn't doing anything. Um, well, he proved his worth in that beginning of the game, not so much towards the end, but, yeah, what can you do? It's, it's NRL, and unfortunately, there's... Yeah, you're stuck with who you buy. Uh, Harris Tavita, he obviously had a great game because he really controlled the ball and where the direction went with that ball. Um, obviously converting, yes, he didn't get uh, his two conversions. He only got one from two, so at 50%. But he still managed to control the game for such a young kid to come up into a spot and really hold it and to obviously look like he's going to get a um, another half with him this week that will really be able to work with him and show him where he needs to go. Um, I think the Warriors are really going to have something special coming on for the end of the season, uh, especially with Nikarima coming in, but we'll we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. Um, look, Warriors, they had a great start. Uh, the Storm, again, they were kind of uh, late to the, the party, uh, showing up in the second half to obviously put the win on. First half was kind of touch and go. They really didn't know what they were going to do, um, but it was kind of like the same game against the Roosters the week before. They had come up and how do I put it? They they didn't score in the first half, but they put on a show in the second half and scored. Same as like the Roosters. The Roosters scored in the first half, but didn't score in the second half, and it's just showing these things that. The top ladders or the top teams seem to be conserving one half and really going below the gate for the second half. And they don't really need to do that if they just conserve the whole way and, and just have bursts of glory throughout the whole game. Then you still get what you're looking for, but you can control the game a bit more instead of panicking in the second half or panicking in the first half and, and going from there and, and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, obviously, the um, field goal is quite an astonishing bit of a look there from, um, from Brady Croft. 
Uh, didn't look like it was going over for about half a second until it came off the left post and then into the goal. So that got them the, the win. The uh, 13 points to 12. Um, and I, I'm going to say that the player of the game probably would have been Cameron Munster. Uh, for him to kick in the air off a bomb, to have Adekar push it back in, then Munster collect the ball and score off his own kick, it's probably something that's really astounding and very rare to see these days. Um, but then Munster was also everywhere else within the play, so he was always around the rock. He was always uh, putting the kicks in for the other guys, uh, whether they were allowed or disallowed, that he was always there. Um, and then obviously setting up that try for uh, Jerome Hughes um, in the background, so he could have got through as well. But, um, yeah, so Munster takes out my player of the game. And um, that's the first two games of the Thursday night. So we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Friday night games. Welcome back, and uh, now it's time to talk about Friday night's games. So, uh, first game off the cab, off the rank, uh, Bulldogs versus Cowboys. Uh, 24 points to 12 to the Bulldogs. Uh, one tried, Jaden Ockenbaugh, uh, Corey Harawaranara, uh, Josh Jackson, and then another one from Harawaranara as well for a double there. Uh, Justin O'Neill and Ben Hampton scored the two tries for the Cowboys. Four from four conversions for Reese Martin, uh, one from two from Kahu, and a penalty goal for Kahu as well. Well, let's talk about the game. So, um, it's nice to see the Dogs have finally turned up. Uh, it's obviously been a late start to them for the season, being on the bottom of the ladder. So, obviously, they're going to have to fight their way back as quick as they can. Um, and hopefully not uh, have a consecutive loss streak again like that, where they've only won, what's that, two games from their past five. Um, sorry, no, two games from their past seven. Uh, let's see, played 7-1-2, lost 5. Yep, so let's hope that they can kind of have a bit of a turnaround here and uh, get back on the rank. Um, but uh, no no uh, predictions from me from the Bulldogs this week. I just don't think that, uh, I think it, maybe it was a one-off loop, but uh, let's talk about that anyway. So the Harrier and our double, um, he just went straight through a gap for his first try and just absolutely cleaned them up for the Cowboys. Um and then his second one, he just did really, really well to just to get over the line. Um, the Cowboys' defense just looked absolutely atrocious. There were gaps. There was just they weren't there. They weren't the the heads weren't in the right space. Uh, they just weren't obviously getting where they needed to be, and it, you could tell that it affected them. Um, and then in the the dying minutes of the game, when it was already past too late, uh, they decided to actually turn it on. And it was by then it was just yeah they'd, they'd missed the, the mark by then, and there was no way the Cowboys could have come back. Um, even with some of the calls that were a little bit controversial towards the Cowboys. So, um, obviously, the one I was referring to was the Ockenberg forward pass of his first try. Uh, that wasn't a forward pass. It was actually behind, if you have a look at it. So, there's nothing wrong with the pass. Uh, that should have been a try there. So, the referee is caught up for a forward pass, and it wasn't there at all. Um, and then, yeah, that last-minute comeback for the Cowboys just wasn't enough to get them there. Nice try by Michael Morgan to, to try and come up with some ideas, but... Yeah, you, when you're 16 minutes in and you've got uh, 20 minutes to go and you're down by that many, you, you're, you're hard-pressed against yourself to try and put on a show by then. And I'm sure uh, Coach Green would just be absolutely livid with the performance from the Cowboys. So 
I'm sure that they'll probably uh, rectify that and hopefully turn that around this weekend against the Titans. The dogs just absolutely rolled them over, though. They just the dogs finally gelled. They looked like they knew where they had to be. They knew what they had to do, and they executed what they had to do. So good on the Bulldogs for getting that. Uh, I'm going to say that my player of the game was Harrow Aranara. Um, obviously, he was defending. He tried uh, saved a try. Um, he was also attacking and getting them on the front foot as well. So for the Bulldogs, congratulations. Uh, second win of the season, so hopefully a few more. I think you've got one more win will put you... Let's see, one more win could actually put you at 10th. So <laughs> the funny thing is, is the difference between 10th and 16th place is literally nothing. They're all on two wins, five losses from 10th to 16th. Um, then obviously you've got 9th is uh, three wins, four losses, uh, four. And then uh, what have you got? 8th uh, to 5th is four wins, three losses. Uh, so honestly, the difference between getting uh, from 8th place to 4th place is one more win. Um, and then obviously a loss for the fourth place. Um, and then with your third to first, you're all sitting on six points evenly. So, oh, sorry, six six wins uh, evenly. And they've only lost one game. So that's to the Rabbits, the Storm, and the Roosters. But um, we'll talk more later on that anyway. So, um, yeah, so player of the game, Harawara Nara, good on him. Bulldogs, let's hope you can turn this around and get yourselves off the bottom of the ladder. Um, obviously, it's no place you really want to be. Um, but uh, as long as it's not anybody else, I guess it's a bad challenge to try and go overcome that for the year. Uh, moving on to the Panthers-Rabbits game. 22 points to 18 to the Rabbits. Um, tries to James Maloney, Darwin Tony, Zelezniak, and Kikau. And then obviously for Kyle Turner, Corey Allen, um, Cody Walker, and Dan Gagai for the Rabbits. Uh, two out of three conversions for Nathan Cleary. Two from four from Josh Reynolds. Uh, one penalty goal apiece, uh, both cleared by Reynolds and Cleary's. Um, calls. Let's talk about the plays about this game. Um, again, not square, and they're not calling it. They're just the Rabbits were really lacklustre in that defence um, with the uh, not being square of the play the ball. It's it's really affecting them in that beginning bit. But obviously, they did everything else right for the rest of the game, but getting off that mark just wasn't one of the things that they were doing um, effectively because they were coming off too soon or they are coming off too late, and that was what was slowing them down to get around people. Uh, look at the kick-out try. Kick-out took five people and walked them over because it. They by the time they finally realized that they weren't square at the marker, um, it took too long for the players to slide over to Kikiao. Kikiao was already way too far into the motions to get over the try line. Um, the South Sydney are being obviously thriving on that stack of defence though, so speaking of not getting away from certain markers, uh, the Panthers' inconsistency again. Uh, I'm sure Ivan Cleary is really trying to figure out what he needs to do. Obviously with the loss of Phil Gould this week, there's a little bit of controversy between them all there, but I'm sure that there's they're talking mountains past um, him right now, and obviously they're talking about other things in the future. Um, but I'm sure that that would have played on some of the minds of the players this week. Um, but just not being in in line, they weren't. They had a staggered defence. They just weren't. They weren't getting at the Panthers this week, and I just don't know what's going on with them. But um, hopefully, Coach Ivan Cleary will will say something this week that will really spark them into to actually picking up their act and playing. Um, but the, the South Sydney just absolutely thrive on that staggered defence, and you could see that with the try that they got. Um, they just All they did was just a couple of bit of um, hot potato ball play offloads, and then they just opened up the um, the Rabbits there. I oh, sorry, the Rabbits opened up the Panthers there, and then it was just an absolute onslaught from there. So 
Yes. Um, that try from Dane, sorry, the try assist from Dane Gagai. We have to talk about that. That was a brilliant try assist there with the pop up ball. Something you see quite often in rugby union when you're down the ground and obviously you can't play the ball, pop up and run. But that pop up to, to get the try, uh, just absolutely fantastic. I, yeah, it was one of those things you just, it, it couldn't have been timed any better. Um, but it, yeah, obviously got them the try. They worked around that, but um, yeah, congratulations to them. That was a that was a brilliant little try assist there, Dan Gagai. Uh, really puts him into contention for obviously Origin this year. Um, I'd probably see him on the wing again for Queensland, depending on how things go. Um, Panthers play the ball. That was a real weird one. Um, James Maloney gets up and plays the ball facing the crowd. Um, obviously, that pretty much solidifies the whole point of what I was saying is that the Panthers' heads aren't in the game. Um, they're obviously too busy thinking about already walking off to the sideline that Maloney obviously plays the ball on the sideline. Um, yeah, Walker opens up the, the, the crowd um, and the the, uh, the playing team as well. So the fans obviously weren't too happy about being completely doused. Um, but then he also just seems to cut everybody open as well with the defense of the, the Panthers just being absolutely abysmal. Um, just let Walker turn them inside out. Um, then obviously... Kick-out sparks a, um, a fight after that, that try um, and just sends them all into overdrive. A little bit of aggression and tension there, but obviously it just wasn't enough for the Panthers to, to come back. 22-18, to 18, they had a chance to, to come back and score one more and probably put them in the tie to, to do that, to go into a golden point game. But yeah, that kick-out try, that last one they got, was probably the last one that they were going to see after it just becoming an absolute whitewash for the Rabbits. Um, my player of the game probably go to Cody Walker. Um, even though Gagai did do the pop-up ball and he was there for the majority of the game, Walker just seemed to control the ruck, control the ball, and control the way the Rabbits played. So good on Cody Walker. Um, great game for him. Um, let's talk to the next game because we've kind of really much raced through those two games. Um, what have we got next? So it was... The Titans and the Tigers, so oh, what a game that was. Uh, Tigers 30, Titans 14. Um, tries to Anthony Don and Tyrone Peachy. Uh, and then for the Tigers, it was um, Fanua, Jennings, Masters, Jennings, Fanua, and Fanua again. So two conversions to Michael Gordon, three from six from Masters, and a penalty goal for Michael Gordon as well. Um, well where do we start with this game? Titans, you came out to a great start. Um, 14-0. Things are looking great, and then all of a sudden, things just seem to go absolutely pear-shaped. Um, didn't look too good in the beginning for the Tigers, because the Tigers obviously had that uh, horrendous knock-on from Reynolds, but then Reynolds' night went from bad to worse. Uh, he had a knock-on off the kickoff, then he had his hamstring injury. Um, I think that's what it was, his hamstring injury. Um, and then he was out for the remainder of the game. Titans just, they found a way, and then they stopped. I don't know what happened, they just... They knew what they had to do. They executed what they had to do, and then they just stopped. they just stopped. They just walked away from the game basically, and just let the Tigers roll in for the last sixty minutes of the game. Um, let's see. They, they just I think the for the Titans to really go the distance this year. I think, in all honesty, they need to work on where their players are at and where their players need to be. There's a lot of players that are out of position, I think, and I think they need to kind of work on where they they should be where they, rather than where they shouldn't be. In my honest opinion, I don't think the Titans should have let go of Kane LG. 
I know that that's probably going to be a very controversial call, but LG and Taylor kind of had a set play where Taylor would run, LG would run with him. Now, it's kind of along the lines of Roberts will make the calls and um, Taylor will, will sit back and watch him make the calls. And then Taylor will occasionally step up, but he's just not there. So I think the Titans need to organise a better structure around their halves. Um, their forward pack are great, but they're just not going gusto. Shannon Boyd had a blinder of season for the Raiders, but he's just kind of gone too quiet for the Titans. Just don't know what's going on there. Uh, Gordon, first time I've seen him in the whole season have so many errors and uh, let in a try as well. Um, Anthony Don, great catch for the ball. Great conversion, great try. Just don't know what was going on with the rest of the game because he kind of got a bit quiet there. Um, what else can I talk about? Obviously, the um, the, the hat trick from Fanua. Uh, that was an absolute masterclass. Um, and then the Tigers pull off a double as well with Jennings as well. So I'm going to say my player of the match was probably Mahe Fanua uh, just because of that hat trick. I mean, it's not every day you get a hat trick on your, um, your home turf. So good on Mahe Fanua. Uh, to the Broncos and the Sharks, 29-6 to to the Broncos. It's about time the Broncos turned it on and came to the game. Uh, a try to Corey Oates, Alex Glenn. Um, then you've got Offahengawi as well as Roberts as well. So the Sharks is just one for Braley. Four from four from Sarko, one from Townsend, one field goal from Anthony Milford at halftime, and then two penalty goals to Jermaine Osako. Um, Oates on the fly, straight through the defense and... I think, honestly, Oates should definitely consider himself in the forwards positions. I know that he's on the wing and stuff like that, but he's a big enough boy to be in that forwards position. And you saw that when he came into second row and took that belter of a bowl straight into the uh, into the end goal and, and scored that try. So I'd say Oates just knows what he's doing. Um, Dugan was out before the game even started, um, and that was obviously a, a big loss to the Sharks. Um, the Sharks just had way too many errors. They were just inconsistent. Um, incoherent I'd probably say the word would be because they just weren't communicating enough uh, and it was leaving it all down to the last minute just it, it just started to get from bad to worse for the Sharks because obviously they had Johnson off with a hamstring injury um, yeah Sharks are hot and cold this season they've had a great start but they're just I don't know they're just they're right smack I reckon to me honestly they're right smack bang in the middle of where they should be uh, but they can either go one area, can either make them go north or south. They really don't know what they've got just yet, but they've got the right direction. Now, obviously, they've got Moylan out at the moment, but they've got Bronson Cherry in, in the centres for him. Um, I hope that Cherry doesn't get taken off the the uh, off the playing roster because he's really proved his worth and he's going to be an outside back uh, for a long time to come, but it also shows that there's that little bit of worry in the back of the Sharks' head is, Who's going to be where? Um, obviously, with uh, Nakora back this week as well, um, Wade Graham isn't too far from returning to the bench. Um, he could very well be returning back to the game as well, pushing Nakora to a different position or something like that. So there's a lot of cloud of judgment over the of cloud of doubt, sorry, over the head of the Sharks at the moment, and obviously it's kind of affecting their gameplay at the moment. Um, I will say, in the defense of the Sharks, the offer him Gary score was actually scored off a forward pass. Um, if you watch closely, it's about a metre forward, um, but they let that go through. Again, inconsistency from the refs. What can we do? 
Um, I'm going to say that my player of the game was actually Corey Oates. Um, Oates, he actually had a blind every game. He was there where he needed to be. Uh, when there was errors, he was picking up the ball. He was on either side of the field. Uh, so I'll give that one to, to Corey Oates. Um, before we go to an ad break, we'll probably quickly talk about the Manly Raiders game. So 24 points to 20 Manly. Uh, one try from Marty Tapao, two from Lachlan Croker, one from Ruben Garrick. Uh, two from Whiten and one from Colstad for the Raiders. Uh, three from four from um, DCE, uh, but uh, there was one as well from Ruben Garrick. Uh, three from three from Jared Croker, uh, one penalty goal from Ruben Garrick, and one for Jared Croker as well. Um, the Raiders came out of the gates. So they really knew what they were doing. Their structure was there. They knew exactly what they needed to play. Um, but then they just came crumbling down the Raiders. Um, they just they were letting things happen either side of their outside back. So their their wingers were obviously uh, really getting affected. Now obviously with Rapana out and stuff like that, it, it's showing that there's that lack of defence on that one side of the field. But uh, they should have had Croker there to defend, and then Croker was inside and outside, and it really showed that the, the Raiders had no real direction as to where they were going on the outside backs with their defence and attack. Um, Croker. Lachlan Croker. This guy came out of the middle of nowhere. Um, I will say that congratulations to him for his return game, plus uh, a double try on return. But the first try he had, if you watch carefully in the replay, came off two forward passes that were just missed. It was one forward pass, straight into a second forward pass, and then it was given. It's basically watching a game of NFL. Um don't know what the refs are doing, really, and I know we keep touching back on it, but again, inconsistency. If you're going to see a forward pass, call the forward pass. Maybe even start executing it under the bunker where we bring in a line where it says, forward pass, pulls them up, back to the square one, we start again. Uh, but they're just not ruling on it like they should be. They're, they're very, uh, what's the word, seasonally calling the penalties when they feel like it, not when they have to. Um DCE, another one that they obviously have to talk about. He's out on an ankle injury. Don't know how long he's going to be out for. We'll talk injuries and stats in a second. Um, it's looking like DC might be out for a little bit, which means KNLG might come back into the halves with Croker and line up alongside him. Um, I highly doubt I'd see Croker getting benched this week. I reckon it'll probably be both of the, um, the boys playing this week and I'm sure it'll be an interesting game to watch them play when they do. I'm not quite sure we'll go into who they're playing next. Um, let's see. That last play, um, right before the buzzer goes off, so obviously 24-20 is a crucial moment for the Raiders. If you have a look as well, that last 15-20 uh, seconds, even though there probably wasn't much to be done because at the wrong end of the field, uh, that last play was actually a strip. Should have been a penalty to the Raiders. Uh, Raiders probably could have got up the field a bit more on a penalty um, and then they could have either got within close sniffing range of scoring a try or it would have been a hell of a worth of a shot to actually get there. So um, they will obviously have to have a look at that and just see what they need to do to better themselves with ball handling as well as, again, the inconsistency of the referees because it's beyond a joke now. Um now, I'm going to say my player of the game will probably have to be Lachlan Croker. Um, he just really obviously had a standout game, returned back to the NRL, um, and obviously get a, a double on the 
on the return. Uh, it's just a great game for him. So good on Lachlan Croker. Good on Manly for the win. Uh, Raiders obviously need to fix a few things next week. So obviously we will talk about that later on. Um, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we will talk about the last game of the weekend, which was the Raiders, uh, sorry, the Knights and the Eels. Uh, and then once we do that, we'll um, get into this week's talks. And, uh, and that'll be it. So we'll see when we get back. Welcome back, and obviously we've got the last game of the weekend to talk about, which is the Knights versus the Eels. Uh, Knights 28 to the Eels 14. Uh, tries to the Eels is to Sivo Ma'u, um, and to the Knights is Ponga, Fitzgibbon, Gave, and Pierce. Uh, four from four from Ponga, uh, two from two from Moses, uh, two from two penalty goals from Ponga as well, and uh, one from one from Mitchell Moses as well. Um, let's talk about the game. So, Ponga. He just runs with absolute fire, doesn't he? He just turned it on for that game. Um, he was everywhere he needed to be and more for that game, which was really good to see. Um, but obviously, that you expect that with Ponga. Uh, obviously, would hopefully see him in the Origin side for this year. Um, obviously, I'm not a Queensland supporter, but if that guy doesn't get a spot, then I don't know who will for that position. Um, it was a different Parramatta this week. Um, I don't know what was going on with Parramatta. They had all their players back. Um, even with Blake Ferguson and his broken nose, um, he managed to be back and sitting in the fullback and, and holding back there. But they just, yeah, they, I don't know what was going on with Parramatta. Now, they were denied a try at the one stage. We'll get to that one in a second. But it just, it looked like Parramatta were just flat-footed and they didn't know which way to go. Uh, for the Knights, congratulations to them. They really did turn it on this week and show that they're having every intention to, to be in the game and... and and really show some intent coming into round eight and then into the magic round the next week as well. So that's going to be great for them as well. Um, as I was just saying before, the refs confused the forward pass for an offside and then try. So the, boy, what I mean by that is uh, Parramatta were, uh, they were they were playing an advantage for a an offside position. Now, the referee never blew the whistle for offside because they were inside the 10. Then there was a forward pass that was given from Parramatta to another player, Parramatta, who scored for the try. I think it was Jennings who went to go score over for the try. Um, then the referee called it back and said it was offside. Now, to me, I think if if there should have been an offside, they should have pulled it up then and there and said it's an offside. If you're going to let it play on uh, and play the advantage, then there's no real advantage to playing on for an offside um, rather than just slowing down the play. You either call it then and there on the spot and say what it is, or um, if you're not going to do it again with the inconsistency, leave it, let it go, and then review it um, in the <laughs> when you go to video referee, just review it and say, can we just check to see if they're offside? If they're offside, we're moving to fort. But yeah, it's it's again, it's confusing. It's where the bunker needs to come in, and I just think there's just that latency of inconsistency again. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't really much else to talk about the game. The, the game really was one-sided the whole time, and it really was the Knights decimating Parramatta and just showing them that the Knights are meaning business this year as well. Um, I, I think Knights have definitely defied the books in that game um, because, obviously, Parramatta did put on a 50-point spectacular uh, not too long ago. So it's it's one of those things where you kind of wonder 
where's Parramatta's heads at? Um, obviously, they play the Dragons this Sunday at Bankwest Stadium. So, are they going to put on another spectacle being a home game? Or was that just a one-off opener that really kind of drew their energy out? So, um, obviously, we'll, we'll find out this Sunday. Uh, player of the game has to be the Ponga. Again, he was just everywhere he needed to be and more, that guy. Um, so, good on him for that. Um, that's all the games that have been on the weekend. Uh, so, hopefully, we uh, got all the information that we need to get out of that. Let's talk about this week's um, information. So, obviously, the biggest one coming out of this week is Cody Nicarima. Looks like he's just signed with the Warriors. No official statement has actually been given to say that Nicarima has, in fact, signed with the Warriors. Uh, but the the sheer fact that um, the Anthony Seabold has decided to revoke Nicarima from the halves um, and put in uh, Deirdre into the into the starting side obviously shows that Nicarima is going. Uh, he played his last game against the Sharks. Um, and obviously that was a, no one really saw that coming as a farewell. So he's done that kind of the dirty way where he hasn't done it to the respect of the fans. Um, but he's left and, well, not much we can do about that. Um, the, the Rabbits, however, try to approach James Roberts as well. Not looking good for the Broncos this season. Even though they've just come off a good win, they've lost a lot of key players over the off season and going into this season as well. So you think about it, they've lost um, Corbin Sims, Jordan Kahu, uh, they also lost uh, Josh Maguire. Um, then they've just lost Nick Arima. They could have almost potentially lost James Roberts. Um, and they're just, they're, they're not really going well this season, um, as well as players coming and going. Um, now, obviously, they've got this Deirdre guy coming in the weekend. He looks like he's going to be a key signing uh, for the Broncos. Watching him at Winner Manly, he really has been spectacular down there, putting the boot to ball. Um, hopefully, he consistently brings that into the Broncos game as well, and good luck to him on his debut uh, on Thursday night. Speaking of the game for Thursday night, obviously, there was a bit of humble and uh, helmets going on between the, the two coaches, so Seabell kind of kept his mouth shut about uh, being a rivalry and stuff like that. He just wanted to focus on the game that he just won. Uh, whereas Bennett couldn't wait to be cocky on, on television and talk about how he loved getting the sack and stuff like that, how it's changed for the better and stuff like that. So um, I think, in all honesty, it's really going to come down to the players on, on Thursday night. But I really think the Broncos might have a bit of gusto in them to, to put one over the bunnies because they'll want that bit of revenge after what's happened. I don't think the Broncos will get there, but I think that the Broncos are really going to put into a tough fight and really give the Rabbits a run for their money. Um Another one was uh, just before the Tigers game on the weekend, Michael Cheekham was stood down after the allegations of him and the assault in the taxi driver, I believe it was, um, came to light. So he was stood down from the game and he was refused to fly off to the game. So he unfortunately couldn't play. Um, looks like he will be stood down indefinitely until they can decide what's going on there. Um, and obviously there was a couple other ones that came down for the stand downs over the weekend as well. Um, they were already in the investigation, so I believe there was one investigation. I'm trying to remember the name of the player, uh, but apparently, according to the judiciary, um, the person happened to be a uh, NRL fan or NRL friend of the father, um, and then obviously had to uh, stand himself down as the panel judiciary um, and bring somebody else into the panel. Um, so Dylan Brown as well, he just started rehab. Um, he looks like he's going to be up and running, but it's still undecided when, in fact, he is going to be coming back to um, the game. Uh, obviously, having one of those injuries that is most common with cricket players uh, with their lower back strain and bruising. 
Um, it's good to see him back and training, but obviously it just means that that's one step closer to getting to where he needs to be, which is obviously not in the paddock, but he needs to be out in the field uh, game time. So let's hope he has a speedy recovery anyway and, and he gets close to a return sometime soon. Um, I guess the other thing is being talking about this week is obviously Origins coming up around the corner, not too far away now. Uh, there was a bit of talk that uh, Cameron Smith was going to come back in from retirement and take his mantle up in the hooker position because obviously they couldn't find a hooker. Um, ben Hunt tried to squash that this week and said he wouldn't mind playing in the hooker position or the halves, um, but his preferred role would be in the halves because that's where he has been all year. Um, so obviously Queensland is being absolutely stacked with injuries at the moment. So you've got Daly Cherry Evans out, you've got Jake Friend out. Um, yes, uh, Ben Hunt was in a bit of a rut, but it looks like he's going to be back this week anyway, so he'll be fine. Uh, but they're struggling for halves as well as other players being out and retired. Uh, there's really not much for um, the Queensland team to really pick off, but hopefully they get together and they find a, an ideal team for the, the origin. Whereas New South Wales have absolutely got a plethora of players to pick from. Looks like they might bleed two new rookies onto the wings, uh, but we saw how that worked last year. Uh, the rookies kind of really decimated and it was kind of a dust to diamond sort of thing where it showed real leaps and bounds between the two teams. But hopefully this year the, the New South Wales can go back to back and, and really show that they have an intent to keep with the rookie code, bleed the new players and show that there's a new domination of players coming through for New South Wales and it's not about the old boys anymore. So it'll really show for Queensland that as well that Queensland shouldn't go and reapproach Cameron Smith. I think that if they want to take a page out of New South Wales books, they'll actually um, start bleeding in some rookies as well and, and really starting to, to turn up the, the heat for the origin as well, which is going to be an absolute cracker of a season this year. I can't wait for origin to get started. So... Yes. Um, moving into the rounds that are coming up ahead. So we've obviously got the weekend games coming up. So we've got Rabbits and Broncos, Cowboys and Titans, Sharks and Storm, Raiders, Panthers, uh, Manly and the Bulldogs, Roosters, Tigers, Warriors, Knights, Eels and Dragons. Um, we'll quickly wrap through those and then we'll talk about the tips in a second. Rabbits and Broncos, like I said, the Rabbits, um, I think we'll obviously get over the top of the Broncos. It just... Even though the Broncos are probably going to have a little bit of bad taste in their mouth for the whole way that Wayne Bennett's been carrying on, I think that the Broncos are going to give them a run for their money, but the Rabbits are just going to still keep going. Uh, in order for the Rabbits to win this weekend, Josh Reynolds needs to pick up his... Oh, not Josh Reynolds. Adam Reynolds needs to pick up his um, kicking game. Obviously, it's been a little bit scratchy in the last few weeks. Um, either step it up or step aside, my friend. It's time for somebody else to come in and do the kicking if you can't get it done. For the Cowboys and the Titans... Um, Titans really need to turn around off the belly flop of last weekend's game, uh, the 14-point to 30 deficit. I think they really need to show that they're in it to win it, and they need to turn their heads around quickly. I think the Titans can do it, um, but in saying that, I think the Cowboys showed a little bit of last-minute second wind in that game against the Bulldogs. So I think that the Cowboys can still do it and give them a run for their money. Being at home, um, it just... Uh, hopefully that the Cowboys show that bit more consistency throughout the whole game. Uh, Sharks and Storm, they're really a no-brainer there. Um, obviously, the Sharks need to come and return a big serve to the Storm after going down to um, the Broncos last weekend. Obviously, it is a grand final rematch from a few years ago, the Sharks and the Storm. Sharks have got a lot more to play for than the Storm do. Storm is still sitting comfortably at the ladder. Sharks are, like I said, right smack bang in the middle of the ladder. So they've still got a lot of ways to go before they even consider getting anywhere close to, to any of that. 
Um, for the Sharks, they've got Nakora back this week, so that's a little bit of a boost. Dugan is also, I believe, is back this week. Yep, Dugan is back this week after the hamstring injury that he had, so that gives him a bit of a boost as well. I'd say that the Sharks are going to give Storm a bit of a touch-up, but I think Storm will still roll them in the end. Uh, for the Raiders and the Panthers, Raiders, um, they come off a small loss, not a very big loss, uh, but it will affect them big time anyway. Uh, they are up against the Panthers. I think that the Panthers still have a long way to go before they're any touch of a win. Um, as James Maloney said the other, spoke the other, about the other day, he said that they're, they're very close to um, game time form, um, but they're hoping it would be that game. It obviously wasn't that game. Um, they're getting closer and closer and closer, but how close can you get before it's an excuse and, and, and not an actual execution? Um, a bit like Gus Gould said, as a five-year plan. How many games can you go into as a plan before you realize that the plan's failing? Um, for the Eagles and the Dogs, I think that the Dogs have a big game ahead of them. Um, they're going to have two fresh... Um, hook it, uh, sorry, two fresh halves up against them um, with new combinations and new ideas I'm sure they're mainly going to give them a bit of a run for their money but I think that uh, the Dogs might just get there in the end uh, coming up a bit of confidence from that last game I think that it's going to be the Dogs will probably end up showing them uh, who's boss uh, for the Roosters and the Tigers obviously the Tigers are coming off a big win but the Roosters are coming off in just an even better win um, the Roosters are building confidence and they're starting to get into the history books now they're one their last few games. I know they, they lost... Oh no, I don't think they have lost the game just yet. I think they lost one game in the very beginning of the season. Uh, the rest has been pretty clear, but I think that they're chasing their own tails at the moment, um, the, the Tigers, and really going to be worrying about themselves on that field come the weekend when they place the Roosters because the Roosters are just going to... Like I said, they're looking to make history again and probably go back-to-back this year, and they're within a world right to do it. Desco's looking fantastic. Latron Mitchell's absolutely showing the the, the the whole spot of where he needs to be. Um, then Takiaho is obviously backing up. Orbison's getting there slowly. Uh, and then you've got Victor Radley, who's playing in all sorts of spots. So you've got your second row, your front row, and he's also playing hooker as well. So they're just obviously gelling really, really well. And then Kronk and um, Kiri, they just know what they're doing on the field. Even if one's injured, they still manage to go out and still execute the play to the book. So... I think the Roosters are going to be forced to reckon with for the whole season. Uh, Warriors Tigers, I sorry Warriors Knights. Um, I think the Knights coming off the back of that big win is going to be a great boost for them. For the Warriors coming off a very slight win is going to be a bit of a, a shock to them. I think that they're going to take this one really closely to the heart. Um, being at Warriors home stadium, I think the Knights are going to go into this with a bit of a, a headstrong effect. I don't know if the Knights are going to be able to pull it off. I think the Warriors might be able to get the job done. For the Eels and the Dragons, the Eels are obviously at home with the Bankwest Stadium. Um, I would like to say that the Eels could do it, but I just think that the Dragons are showing more and more uh, plan of attack. Um, even though they are at the Bankwest Stadium, they put 50 on the Tigers the other week. I just think that I, I, I'm, I'm confident that the Dragons will learn from last week up against the Roosters, considering they went up against the best team so far in the world, according to Mary McGregor. Um, and they, they did it with pride, they did it with class, and they did it with a fight in their belly to the very end. I think the Eels, after coming off a loss uh, to the Knights, I think that the Eels will want to bounce back, but I think the Dragons will want to bounce back even more, so I think the Dragons will probably go that. So for my tips this week, I've gone with the Rabbits, uh, the Titans, the Storm, the Raiders. Uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles this week. 
uh, roosters, knights, and the dragons. But I'm going to switch the knights one around. I'm going to say the warriors might have it. So uh, tips for the week are rabbits, titans, storm, raiders, eagles, roosters, warriors, dragons. That's my tips for the week. Um, we'll take a quick break. and When we come back, we'll talk about the fantasy's winners and losers and who's in and out. Alright, welcome back, and now it's time to talk about the casualty award for round seven. So those are injured in round seven, uh, we'll go through right now. So Jesse Ramian uh, has done his shoulder, he's due to come back in round eight. Uh, Jordan Rapana has done his ribs, he is to be uh, concluded as to when he'll be back from returning. Uh, Alex Glenn has done his thigh, he is back this round. Sean Johnson has done his hamstring, he won't be back until round 11. Uh, Josh Dugan, hamstring, he'll be back this weekend. Uh, Dale Copley has done his quad. He won't be back until round 9 or 10. Josh Reynolds, big blowout for the Tigers. Uh, round 10, he'll be back. Uh, but it looks like Benji Marshall will be replacing him as Benji Marshall has just come off injury himself. Uh, Donny Cherry Evans won't be back until about round 11 to 13. Uh, hopefully. That's uh, depending on if he can get himself physically fit for the game. Appy Coruscant and George Tafua both received calf injuries. And they're both undecided as when they'll be returning. A uh, bit of a scratch for Ben Hunt. Uh, he's done his shoulder, but he will be back this weekend. He's all good to go. Uh, Jake Friend has torn his bicep. Um, he won't be back until the finals, uh, or he could not be back for the whole season. Um, that's really it. Now, if you want to see the full list of all your team's players, don't forget to check out NRL.com. Casualty Ward, it'll tell you which of your team players are in and out. Um, obviously, uh, we've got a couple who are returning back this week from just uh, suspensions and stuff like that as well. Uh, so we'll quickly go through who's back for suspension. So for the Broncos, uh, returning this week is Alex Glenn. For the Raiders, uh, no one is returning this week. Uh, Bulldogs, Sawaso Sue returns from suspension. Uh, looks like Kieran Foran could be due for a, a hot return uh, this week after doing his ankle. Um, Dylan Napa has been fighting, but it looks like he won't be getting back until about round 10, which is still a great recovery. Uh, Dugan for the Sharks is back this week. So is Brenton Nakora. Um, he's obviously back as well after having that back and groin injury, but he was also suspended for that dangerous contact. Uh, for the Titans, he Keegan Hipgrave is back for this round, and so is Jared Wallace after suspension. Uh, and that is it. Unfortunately, Ryan James is concluded as his knee is done for the season. Uh, so for this weekend for the Sea Eagles, it looks like Aiden Fanua Blake has returned from his suspension as well. Uh, for Melbourne Storm, nobody is yet to return just yet. For the Knights, Jesse Ramian looks like he's back this weekend. Kurt Mann is back this weekend after his sternum uh, injury. Uh, for the Cowboys, Kyle felt his groin has fixed up, so he is now back this week. Jason Tomalolo could be back this weekend after he missed last weekend's cut for the team. Uh, he just wasn't feeling up to it anyway. So it could be this week, could be next week, but it's looking pretty positive for Jason Tomalolo. For the Eels, uh, Daniel Alvaro has skipped his concussion. He should be back this weekend. David Gower is due to return as well after a neck injury for round eight. Um, for Panthers, Frank Winterstein, he had his knee. He is back this round. Uh, for the Panthers, uh, that, sorry, for, that was for the Panthers. For the Rabbitohs, we have no one returning this weekend. Uh, for the Dragons, Ben Hunt looks like he'll be back this weekend. Looks like everything's all good with his shoulder. And that is pretty much it for the Dragons. For the Roosters, Luke Curie had a concussion. He's cleared that concussion. He's now back. 
Um, Isaac Liu is now back for the Roosters as well. He had a broken finger. He's returned from that as well. For the Warriors, Blake Green has done his groin and so did David Fustua, but David Fustua also did his ribs. Uh, they're both due to come back this weekend as well. Roger Tuovasa-Shek had his hamstring. He's due to come back this weekend as well. For the Tigers, Luke Garner, he had a concussion. He's due to come back this week. Benji Marshall, perfect timing, has just come back for this weekend. As well as Jacob Little, who did his ankle. He'll be back this weekend. And that's all your players who are due back this weekend for your teams. Um, moving into the fantasy. Um, let's talk fantasy winners and losers. Now, it was actually quite an interesting uh, week this week. Uh, Harawira Inara really topped off the bench for the fantasy at 100 points. So if you captain Harawira Inara, congratulations to you. That's 200 easy points for you. And you'd probably be up towards the thousands by now. Um, so let's talk uh, third, second, and first for... Uh, fantasy winners. So third place was Takeaho with 77 points. Uh, number two was Masters on 79 points. And number one, Harawira Nara on 100 points. Um, for the three, two, and one, our biggest losers. Uh, so we had quite an actual um, interesting run this weekend. So at number three was um, Michaeli Ravalawa. Excuse me. Michaeli Ravalawa, three points for him for the full game. Um, for number two position, went to Dale Copley on a negative one. And uh, the first place goes to Adam Reynolds. No, Adam Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. So many Reynolds to get through. Uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, negative five points for the game. So, unfortunately, Josh Reynolds takes the biggest loser for this week. Um, not much in the way of points movement as well as uh, cash movement. Um, I think that uh, Ravalawa took a $20,000 loss. So if you've got him on your team, I'd probably cut him as quick as possible. Um, my tip for this week for fantasy would probably be looking at uh, Deirdre. Obviously, he comes in now as the full-time halfback for the Broncos. If he has a decent game, he could be there for a while. So he'll be a cheap buy at 212000 Um Reynolds has taken a 50000 k dive on his fantasy. Dale Copley has taken a 16000 k dive and 22000 ks to uh, Michaeli Ravalawa. Um, and then for our winners, uh, they had, oh, it's going to take me a bit to get to the top of the screen. Give me two seconds. Normally I'm more aware than this. Okay. So 80,000 Ks to Harry, uh, 80,000 K to, um, Harry Wiranara, uh, 24,000 K bonus plus to SN Masters, 53 to Takiyahu as well. Um, and not too far off the money is Andrew Fafida as well. He's taken 1,000 less overall, but he's still sitting with the 15,000 increase. So his average points are about 71. So he's very consistent there. Uh, and that seems to be it for everything today. So thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I uh, look forward to this weekend's games. Um, hopefully there has been some information that uh, you've really taken on board for this podcast. And, um, Sorry when it took a bit to get to the podcast. Normally I'm going to release these things on Tuesday. Uh, it got a little bit hectic for me yesterday with work and a couple of other things as well. So podcast was coming a bit late, plus a bit of study. A couple more things I wanted to talk about on this podcast and kind of uh, tweak as well. Because this is obviously the first season of the podcast. We'll talk more about it as we get into depth with it anyway. But thank you very much for joining me. Don't forget to check out my Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash ATL Spence T. Cross the line. Um... 
Also, Instagram, ATLSpenceT. Don't forget to hit us up on our Gmail as well, ATLSpenceT at gmail.com there. Um, we're also on Anchor, anchor.fm forward slash ATLSpenceT. And like I said, don't forget before, we're also now on Spotify, uh, Overcast, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and we're also available on Pocket Cast. So we're now coming up to seven podcast stations. Try and get the name out there. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, let us know how we're doing, and uh, we'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Go Rugby League.